You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to Life's Mountain Most Wire basketball podcast. That's right. We're talking hoops now. You get a lot of podcasts. If you subscribe to our feed, been waiting for this because me and Matt can really have been uh, kind of teasing basketball coming up. So we're here. Basketball preview. MWR.com with me and Eli Betker. It's been a while since we've actually chatted in person because we usually just do DMs on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it has been a while, but I'm glad we can finally start talking about basketball again and people actually care around this time of year. We do. My Skype said three months, so it's been far too long since we've talked about <laughs> anything. So here's the deal. Here's what we're doing here. We are doing a team preview i'm not sure when this will be out this will be out in october i'm assuming don't quote me on that but it'll be out well before this season <laughs> we're going to do a couple a week we did a fan vote so this first one is utah state and as we both know utah state is passionate about every sport so here you go aggies it's up to you to now uh listen to this and download this to prove us right that's right yeah i'm surprised with the point a little bit but there's a lot of interest in a bunch of different programs but utah state's Definitely in a bit of an intriguing team this year, so I'm excited to get this going. They are. They have a new coach. They lose players. They get in players, and then it's not a good thing, but we wait, we delayed this about a week. It's kind of good we did because there's new updates mm-hmm. because, um, well, injuries hurt them like right before practice began. That's uh, not good, but we'll get to that. Let's get to the big thing. Let's start with, what, Craig Smith, right? Is that what we should begin with, I believe? Yeah, yeah. So there's a new man in charge. It's Craig Smith taking over. After Tim Duryea's short stint, I know a lot of people were a bit surprised when Utah State said goodbye to Tim Duryea, but I want to say at the start of the year, I thought that there might be a shot that Tim Duryea might not return if Utah State didn't perform well. And so uh, Duryea was given the peace sign after finishing 17-17. <laughs> yeah. And, 17, and uh, they welcome a new head coach in Craig Smith, who I think has a lot of promise and. It seems as if the Aggie faithful is pretty excited to see this guy as well. He had a lot of success when he was the head coach at South Dakota for uh, four seasons, and now he gets a chance to take over the Aggies and bring them back to at least, I don't want to say to what Stu Morrill was because I don't think anyone's going to be capable of doing that, but at least reviving the Utah State program. Yeah, and they should probably uh, – well, we'll get to that in a minute, but here's really quick his resume if you're not familiar with Craig Smith. He was, he's was he been in the league before, or at least in the region of Colorado State, as a assistant and director of operations. He's at Nebraska for a couple of years, two years – or excuse me, not two years, but 14 to 18 at North South Dakota, where he did pretty good. He won 26 games last year, 22 the year before. They missed out in the NCAA tournament last year because they didn't win their conference tournament, but he's – known to do some pretty good things he turned not turn them around but he had a winning record overall and he's also head coach at mayville state which is uh do you even know what division that is naia division two so i believe so yeah it's a low level that's fine low level but his experience is reasonably enough and he's been around big programs which is good because there's some coaches where they just kind of not it's a knock against them but they kind of stay in the area they may stay at a lower level conference and then move up to head coach he's been at being at Nebraska is a pretty big deal, and being within the league as well years ago is a good deal as well. 
So he's been around mostly in the Midwest outside of, uh, I guess, CSU and now Utah State. So he, he's a pretty good hire. I don't, do you recall when we were doing the coaching search stuff? Was, it, was there any other bigger names that were looking at this job? There was some rumblings. Um, let's see. With Utah State, I'm blanking on the name right now. Who is the coach that got fired from Georgia? Oh, Mark Few. That was really close. Uh, no, wait, not Mark no, Few. That's football. Not, Sorry, that's football. Yeah. Um, um, oh, Mark Fox. Mark Fox. <laughs> you were off by two letters. Hey, yeah. I, I was close. Mark Few is a Gonzaga, right? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not football. Jeez, so oh, holy crap. <laughs> with Mark Fox was mentioned, but I don't know how serious that one was. But Craig Smith was the rumored name to begin the search, and that one just kind of kept pedaling in Smith's direction. Yeah, that's true. I also remember it was kind of funny. We'll talk about Colorado State. They'll be our next one. There was a very small mention of Rick Pitino. It's like, no, come on. Oh, <laughs> you remember that? Yep, I do. That was uh, that was not there. All right, so for the Aggies itself, let's. Uh, so you got the new coach. So what what do you know? You put some stats out. I think one of your graphics or something about what Craig Smith did. What did he do at South Dakota? Yeah, so I, I posted a chart yesterday, and it was kind of interesting. I was doing a little research for this podcast, comparing what Craig Smith did in his previous three years with South Dakota and what Tim Durie did in his time with Utah State. And what you quickly find, at least digging through Ken Palm, is what Craig Smith did at South Dakota, he liked to speed things up. Mm-hmm. He was in the right around the top 60 in tempo his previous three years, which is a massive change of scenery for Utah State with uh, Tim Durie the last three years. He was 238th, 257th, and 244th in tempo, so the, the Aggies really slowed things down under Durie. Smith is the opposite, but what I like to see, uh, at least on paper here, is Smith's teams didn't turn over the ball at all. They were 27th, 35th, and 64th nationally in turnover rate despite pushing the pace. And Tim Durie's teams never finished above the top 130 nationally in turnover rate. So Craig Smith's teams like to take care of the basketball and push the pace, and I think that's something that will intrigue the fans and will bring them into the spectrum. Um, and, and I think Craig Smith's going to do a pretty good job here, but it's uh, it's not something that Utah State fans have seen the last few years. No, it's not. And it, it could be a good equalizer early on because mm-hmm. if you have a completely different style of play. So I remember a story, I think it was with Bill Walton when he was in high school, his head coach got, I guess, whatever reason, wasn't a head coach anymore. And, he, and his assistant coach didn't talk a lot, didn't do too – just was a quiet guy, essentially. He, like, followed what the head coach did. And I guess they ran kind of a more slow, walking-up pace. He changed it to, like, we're just going to run and run the other teams out of the gym forever. That's all <laughs> we're going to do. Like, a complete 180, just do what Mark D'Antonio does, those type of things. Just run, 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 and score as many possessions, as many points as you would possibly have in. That will work early on, and we'll see what say maybe make their second rounds in league play if teams get a hold of it, or it has to be effective too because you can run, but you don't want to run and do if you fast break too much uh, turnover the bad long pass because you try to do a quick outlet to somebody down the court. You can't have those type of things. That's what you said before: protect the ball and go fast. And their schedule, like when they play off, like once they start going, like after like the MGM event, they got UVU, Utah Valley, who's pretty good. They're challenged St. Mary's, Arizona State, BYU, Weber State's always pretty good, University of Houston. So they have some teams early on where they'll test that. But I'm excited because the Spectrum is, if you've ever been there, it's amazing. Like when Stu Morrill's at his height, it was just going nuts, going crazy. Imagine 
if this team starts winning, which we'll see this year, but if you have an exciting brand of basketball, it'll be it'll draw people there and it'll give them arguably the best home court advantage in the conference. Yeah, I I, I think so too. And going back to their style of play, it seems as if the Mountain West for the most part is training in the direction of I don't want to say like too crazy on the offensive end in terms of pace, but you do have a team like Nevada who you know can run up and down the floor. Boise State, New Mexico is, I mean, those guys are nuts with what they do on the offensive end. Wyoming just bombs threes and runs up and down the floor, and we know what the running Rebels have done. So it seems as if the conference is trending in the direction of fast tempo basketball, and so I think that suits what Utah State is trying to do here with Craig Smith, and um, we'll know more about their schemes and what they plan to do over the next month or so. But I think the style of play, at least in the terms of this conference, is pretty suitable. It is. So I guess let's get to the players a bit. So they lose one huge player. Uh, Kobe McEwen goes to Marquette, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. They so, lost McEwen, yeah. Which, which argue, he probably could have been, he would have been first team all conference, probably not player of the year, but he, he's a huge loss for this team. So he goes out to the the market who's in the Big East, right? Are they in the Big East? Yep. Okay. Yep. There's all the changes out there. The Horizon, Big East, AAC, Atlantic 10. There's all sorts of changes. So he's gone, which is a huge loss. So they only have a few returning guys. I'm looking at your chart. You did. They only have four qualified players in most of these statistics you put out there. So mm-hmm. that's why they're probably going to finish, well, near the bottom of the conference. They got Sam Merrill, who – is like a dude. We see him at a conference tournament where he's just kind of not chucking threes, but he's a guy that's going to be, a, assuming he's as accurate as he can be, will be a big asset because if you do these offenses, it's like if you ever watched Houston Rockets or Warriors, not to say Craig Smith is going to do this type of offense, but just because you're up tempo doesn't mean you're doing layups every time. You may just walk, go up the court and shoot a three because you're open. And if that's what they want to do, Sam Merrill's a guy who could put up a lot of points if this offense and defense clearly by – getting rebounds, block shots, getting the ball and play quickly would be something where, hey, maybe Utah State could do something. And he's clearly their best player. But you also got, like you mentioned, uh, Diago Brito is a big breakout candidate. Who, besides these couple of guys, like Dwayne Brown, they only got a couple of guys who are who we know. Yeah, there are a lot of question marks, especially that uh, chart that you're referring to. We need to go back to the injuries, too, because there are already that's three right. Aggies that are sidelined. So you have Dwayne Brown Jr., who was probably their oh, right. number number two guy on offense, and he's going to be sidelined reportedly a month or so. He broke his hand, and so that's already a tough break. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clay Stahl tore his ACL. He's done for the year. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to struggle with this one a little bit. I think it's Roche Grootfam. Sure. He was a, he's a big man uh, down below. He's also done for the year. He was a JUCO transfer. And so that's three big bodies for the second consecutive year that the Aggies lose. Last year they had Brock Miller out with an injury. He's thankfully back and, and healed for the Aggies. Norbert Janacek eventually retired because of his foot injury last year, and they also lost uh, Julian Perry before the season started. So this team just continues to suffer injuries like crazy, but luckily they do have um, some quality additions via JUCO. They have two guys with the last name of Knight. They aren't related. Um, John Knight the third. he's a quality JUCO transfer uh, who put up double-digit points. He'll probably start at point guard. And then Torian Knight is another uh, good-looking guard prospect who's a freshman. All right, so they've always unknown guys. 
when you look at like who they're playing schedule, you get a couple like Mississippi Valley State, Hartford. That'd be good and all, but how? I think they're going to struggle because of how new the team is, and that's and even if those guys are healthy, it's still almost a new team with like losing McAway, new coach, new system. I'm just, I just, I don't know. I have a lot of concerns for this team because, like I said, they were okay last year. They lose their best player, one of the best players in school history, even though he's there for McEwen for a couple of years. I just don't know what to expect from this team. I want to see, like, we're hyping it up. We want to be positive. You want to see exciting brand of basketball, which it's like we joked the Air Force, just go up tempo and sub five and five out every time, <laughs> do something like that. But, like, if this offense, maybe this will. This is the way they'll have to be. You'll have to counteract what other teams do, like it, by talent and inexperience over system. Which is like you watch football. It's like if teams run the triple option. There's a reason they do that because of the talent deficiency at a service academy, mm-hmm. and that's where this could be an advantage to Aggies if they can run and run well, even losing those couple of guys. But I don't. Know, I'm not too. I want to believe, but. I just don't. It's it's kind of what I say in a lot of things. You got to show me before I could say accurately where you're at. And if you have nothing coming back or not a lot of players coming back, all this new stuff, you can't be predicted higher than top half of the conference at best. Yeah, and I, I think that's reasonable too. Whenever you welcome a new head coach at the mid major level, I think that uh, there there has to be question marks. But especially when you return only four role players or star players from the year before from a team that finished 500 I think that there's already a bit of skepticism and then you lose three guys who are supposed to play at least modest roles this season my main concern is with the front court because this team was fairly undersized as it was um, a, a guy that I'm looking at is Namias Keita I believe is how his name is pronounced he's Portuguese and he did some excellent things with the U18 and U20 Portugal teams. I believe he averages a double-double in international competition. And I believe he's still pretty raw. And as an overseas freshman, that is almost always the case. But he could get tossed into maybe not a starting role, but he could be put into the six, seven-man rotation pretty quickly with these injuries. And if he's good to go, that could be huge for Utah State. But um, he has to grow up quickly if he wants to uh, bolster this Utah State front court that, like I said, has a ton of question marks. And Utah State's got to be careful with, with what they do because if they try to allow Sam Merrill to bail the Aggies out on every possession, Uh-oh. teams are going to start playing into that double-teaming Merrill and not allowing him to get the basketball, and that's going to make things super, super challenging. That will be. It's a, it, You can rely on him to do stuff, but you can't be – it's hard. It also is kind of hard to double if you're an outside guy. They'll do they'll do zone stuff, maybe to push him out farther so that he can't get an open look. I don't know double, but like because we saw him play, he plays on the outside. He's not going to be a guy near the hoop. And mm-hmm. so if you're going to double scheme against that, clearly I think it'd be some sort of either tough man to man where you can't get the ball, but that could also lead to other issues if they're do if they're a fast paced team that can create issues of how guys get open down the court and who's matched up with who. But if it, like in a set offense, there's are a couple options you can do. Like if you if you're afraid of him making threes, push his zone out so they're shooting NBA length until say make it. Sure, we'll give you that shot, but it's not going to be close. So there's a couple ways you can do it. But you're right, you got you got to have a number two, number three guy because who cares if he scores 20 points a game? If he does 25 points a game, if he can get that high, but if everybody else, if it takes him too many shots like pulls an Allen Iverson or something where he's like three of 18 or he needs to take 30 shots to get 30 points. 
that's going to hurt your team overall. It's like, okay, great, but look at all these missed opportunities, missed possession chances. So they're going to need to find. I don't know who that second guy is going to be. Who, who would you say if it's Merrill? Who would be number two? We thought it could be Brown, but he's obviously out for a while. Is it is it Brito maybe? Could he be the guy? I ever- do I do like Brito a lot. I think he did some excellent things in his sophomore year uh, after a pretty quiet freshman season. But I don't know if he is quite ready to take over a large scoring role. Um, he shot just 31% on two-point jumpers and 30% mm. on three-pointers last year. So the jump shot is still a bit of a concern. Uh, otherwise, I would probably lean towards Brown. But like you said, he's going to be out probably about a month or so. So if that's a month, we're sitting here. We're recording this the last week of September. And so if he's out a month, he could be back for the regular season opener. Mm-hmm. So as missing practice is a big deal with a new coach, new system, new teammates coming in. That could be a big deal. So there's a potential he could be back for that, um, maybe even potentially like the um, exhibition games. Like Montana's. Is Montana State an exhibition game? Or is that no? That wouldn't be. No, that's the season opener. Ever oh sorry, Evergreen State College. That's a nice name, Evergreen State College. Uh, hey, that's that's up near me. There you go. Oh, they, oh that's right. Yeah, they, yeah, that makes sense. You should uh, yes, yeah, scout them out before they head down to Logan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, hopefully, uh, Utah State doesn't need any scouting for that. No, one. <laughs> definitely not. No, we. Uh, but he could be ready. Like realistically, he could be ready for Montana State. Mm-hmm. That's the hope, yeah. Yeah, that's the actual opener on November six out there, and so we'll see how. And then they have, like I said, we'll schedule more. I keep repeating the schedule, but if he's ready to go, give him a few minutes here and there because they'll give him a buffer because Hartford's nothing special. Mississippi Valley State is out in the swack, and that's nothing great about them. Even UVU, they're not going to with Mark Pope, who I'd love. Everybody knows that I love love some Mark Pope. <laughs> they're not they're not expected to be as good as last year, and so. Maybe get them ready for that St. Mary's game at Donna Vegas when they play them or maybe Arizona State, Mississippi State. So that could be a thing where it's okay, cool. He can kind of ease him back in. But again, missing this whole month of practice because the first practice was just this week and he's done. And so I don't know. It's going to be injury suck. That's all I could say. They are terrible. Yeah. I think this, I think overall this schedule suits where this program is right now pretty well, though, because you have some nice challenges, some road matchups, and quality neutral site games they'll play st mary's in las vegas and either arizona state or mississippi state in las vegas as well so there are some quality challenges in in there but like you said you hope this team is as healthy as it can be because i think if the if the pieces come together a top six finish i i don't think would be out of the question but uh if things get messy you could see utah state probably fall near eighth or ninth in the conference it's possible a couple guys who could do something well like um, Brock Miller and Justin Bean. Like, they played a few games last year. There's a chance they could do something. Like, they're going to need somebody. I know they have technically four starters back, but it just doesn't seem like – maybe because McEwen seemed to be the guy all the time last year. It was all him all the time. Was that – because I think that's a fair statement. Like, he was the reason they were winning or not winning. Except, I guess, excluding that Gonzaga game where they nearly upset it when he was on the bench. But – with four starters back, we're acting like this team's going to be maybe the worst in the conference. I mean, I don't think they they would be that bad. Well, but you know what I mean. But like bottom, yeah, like bottom third, and they're bringing back four. I know losing McEwen's huge, but yeah, four starters coming back, some guys who contributed last year off the bench, some redshirt guys, a couple of JUCO guys to do a few things. But any team that has four starters back, we're predicting them worse than last year. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is it is a tough situation, but I think. 
it's, it's just so many question marks. And you have Sam Merrill, who's an excellent player, who will get the ball quite often this year, and, and, and he'll put up his own. But besides that, I just don't really know who that number two guy is going to be quite yet. And, and we may know a month into the year, a couple of months into the year. But for now, I mean, you see the number twos for the rest of the league, uh, and, and they're, they're stronger than what the Utah State team puts on the paper, at least for right now. Yeah, so let's let's go their schedule really quick, so we can kind of actually talk about a handful of these games. Because for these uh non these previews, they'll be about half hour ish, depending. Nevada might be four hours, but this one will not be. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding, we will not do what we did for Boise State in football, where it was three over three hour show in two oh, parts. So hey, people like this, so they we got they got what they wanted Eli. Uh, so schedule. Here's the thing about you mentioned schedule is good. It's way better than it used to be. Because here's one thing I, you don't want to bring it back with the used carsman, used car salesman head coach. Is Stu would schedule like RPI two fifty teams at the peak? They maybe they get BYU, maybe they'd get Utah, Weber State, but they would schedule terribly. That's not the case anymore. Like Hartford and Mississippi Valley State are part of the MGM thing, the home tournaments. But we mentioned UVU should be about top two hundred teams. St. Mary's, Arizona State, or Mississippi State, Northern Iowa in the final year of the Missouri Valley Conference Challenge. They got UC Irvine, who's usually decent in the Big West. They go to BYU. They play Weber State and Salt Lake City, which, you know what annoys me about that setup? I may go to that doubleheader. So BYU plays Utah at that on like ESPN2. Then they stick Weber State, Utah State on AT&T Sportsnet. I'm like, you're already there, guys. Why are you switching, right? Come on. <laughs> Might as well keep them working on the same channel. Anyway, stick on ESPN News. Come on. <laughs> I get it, but like those teams are – these are reasonably good schedule. And if Utah State's anything attempted to maybe make an NIT bid or if they want to go to a CBS, the new coach, they'll probably go to any tournament, I'm assuming, like what Eric Musselman in Nevada. Sure, we'll go to the CIT. If the Vegas 16 or 8 comes back, be able to go there. But they they have a schedule. If they get a couple wins, they might have a chance for like a NIT bid if they can like knock off, say, St. Mary somehow or – you know what I mean, BYU or, you know what I mean, they get some deer. There's teams where if they get enough wins, they'll be consideration because the RPI and whatever the net's going to be, however that's figured into it, will help them out. And I think that's a step in the right direction because their schedule's just been playing the crappiest of crappiest teams. Like, get over it. And we, we both know the Mountain West wants to play better teams, better competition to get more tournament teams and help rise the tide of the uh, whatever metrics you're using to field a tournament team. Yeah, I mean, I think this, like I said, the schedule is probably a good test for Utah State. Um, some quality matchups in there. I don't think that they're going to finish non-conference play with a great win-loss record, and uh, it's tough for a lot of mid-majors to do that unless they play a weak schedule because there are just so many moving parts. You have guys coming in from JUCO, players coming back from injury. Um, but once conference play rolls around, I know they open up in Reno against Nevada. That's a huge game for Utah State. Yeah, um, I, I think they'll probably be in pretty good shape by then. I'm thinking like, not to go to too much wind tolls, but they could probably beat Montana State. I'm thinking, even if it's a road game, like they'll, they'll beat Hartford, they'll beat Mississippi Valley, Mississippi Valley State, probably beat UVU because it's at home. They might be four and zero. They're not going to beat St. Mary's. I don't think. I don't think they'll beat either. They may not win any of those games in Vegas. So they could, Northern Iowa. What do you think about that? Probably not. Uh, they're usually pretty solid. That, that yeah. can be a tough one. It's at home, so that's a little edge. But you see Irvine's uh, maybe. like They might have, like probably Weber State, I'm thinking, six, seven wins, including Eastern Oregon. 
that's probably their peak. Maybe eight if something bounces the right way, but they're, they're not going to be – they'll probably have just above a 500 record after non-league play. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a reasonable expectation. But I, like I said, it's a, it's a bit of a challenging schedule. Yeah. Well, Alabama State, that's not bad. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if they're at that range, if they're about 500 – I already see where you're ranking them overall, and I got to decide where I'm going to put them because I haven't made my official pick yet. Within the league play, like San Jose State's not very good. Colorado State has a new coach. New Mexico should be a contender, I'm thinking. Who knows what UNLV is going to be, right? Mm. Yeah, I, I don't give me. That will be an interesting podcast. I'll leave it at that. Exactly. Air Force, they're not great. Well, I mean, it's the um, Jessup show, right? Yes, it sure is. <laughs> and even Boise State, I'm not sure who it is. So there's a lot of – here's where it co- helps Utah State, I think. There's a lot of question marks in the league overall. You have a new head coach at CSU and other things I mentioned. So a couple of new coaches. Boise State loses Hutchison. McCoy's gone to UNLV. CSU lost guys to transfers, including the new coach. Wyoming lost a couple of guys just to graduation. So Nevada's bringing back an NBA roster or something, whatever it is. I don't know. So the, there, I think there's enough question marks in the league where Utah State might surprise some people here and there. If they put it all together, like I said, I think they could probably pick up a top six finish. You have Nevada, New Mexico, and San Diego State. Those are pretty much confirmed one through three across the board. Mm-hmm. And then it's just wide open. So it is. Uh, if, I mean, if it's a Sam Merrill show and things, uh, momentum starts to push in the Aggies' favor and maybe they make a solid push up the standings. Uh, we saw what they did at the start of conference play last year. They came out pretty hot then had a four-game losing streak and were up and down. And I think we also need to mention how close this team was to playing in the Mountain West Tournament final. Mm-hmm. They were just a bad 20 minutes away from um, potentially facing off against San Diego State for a chance at an NCAA tournament bid, so New Mexico got them. Uh, yeah, so like as as low as we might have sounded on Utah State, they, they I mean they put some good things together last year. And although the main loss is um, Kobe McEwen, there are a number of pieces back from last year's team. Yeah, there are. And so as for record wise, like you mentioned, right, Nevada, San Diego State, and New Mexico. Then it's like after like, right after that toss up, I'd probably. Fresno, I think, has enough back, like with Deshaun Taylor returning to be above them. Here's where you're right. Like, Wyoming could be um, with Hayden Dalton last year. They Those guys who were just scoring at will, he just put 30 a game. Like, obviously, he was nearly a player of the week every now and then. That's what Merrill could be for Utah State, mm-hmm. where they have a similar home court advantage as Wyoming. They're a guy who could put up a lot of points for what he does shooting the three ball. That's why... I think I might be slightly higher than you, and I'm going to say it. They're they're going to be better than you. They're going to be better than UNLV. I'll say it right now. I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. I don't think that's too. For some people, that might be a ledge they don't want to cross, but I'm going to cross it easily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to jump across that thing. Um. So I think I'll put them. I think six is where I'd put them. Okay. Because yeah, I, th- I say about six. Because they could do, I think I think this team could be similar to what Wyoming was last year, where they could put a scare into a lot of teams, but then they'll have too many stretches of unpredictability. Where oh, new system, like the early on, new system, new coach. It's even if you're 20 games in, you should that shouldn't be too much of an issue. But it'll be brought up. But the way the team's going, 
and who they've come because they were okay they were just okay last year despite them nearly making the title game they peaked at the right time played well they're still 17 and 17 overall and so it's like if they had it McEwen, i still would probably maybe put them fourth at most like i wouldn't put i would would you say if they had McEwen, would they be a contender in your opinion they would probably be a sneaky contender, but I would I wouldn't put them above fourth. Yeah, that's my, my point. So putting them at six, I think for me, is I won't give my other teams out because we're gonna kind of want to let this play out. But I'm going six for them. And and things could come together too. I and mean, we talk about New Mexico last year, who nearly punched the NCAA tournament bid. They start off non-conference play terribly. I believe they were three and ten to start the year. Oh, they had a loss to oh, Tennessee yeah. Tech, mm-hmm. and then they couldn't lose down the stretch. And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with Utah State, but that's just an example of a first-year head coach figuring things out uh, under a new roster. And maybe that's something Craig Smith can do because he, like I said, brings a new style into Logan, and it could be some interesting things this year for um, the fans in the spectrum. Yeah, and you're right about that too. It's with Mexico because here's what they need to do, really. They need those early morning practices, a 6 a.m. run every day, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) They had that run after – we left like 1 a.m. and they're probably going to do that workout in five hours in Vegas mm-hmm. last year. It's like, all right, we got this. We'll do our 6 a.m. run. And with our turnaround, a game at 3.30 local time, it's like, oh, man. All right, so you said uh, seventh, correct? Yes, I'll have Utah State at seventh. So are they going to go to the postseason at all? They they might go to the CIT. I, I think I, NIT, I believe, is out of range, but I think CIT or CBI could be a possibility. I would say if they get an invite to anything, they should go. I think so, too. I mean, you might as well under a first-year head coach, right? Yeah, because look what, again, look what uh, Musselman did. He went to, what did he go his first year, CBI? CBI. Mm-hmm. And then they went to NIT, right? Or they go want, straight, Let me they, check. Uh, yeah, they, uh, then they went to the tournament. I think I did some research some, some uh, months ago that most of the teams that won the CBI got to the NCAA tournament the following year. That's what it was here. Yeah, they were CBI champs. Went to the first round, lost to Iowa State. Then they nearly went to the Elite Eight. So yeah, that's uh, basically yeah right. If they if they're available, chosen to CIT, whatever it may be like and I like if they're gonna peak, it's clearly for me it's gonna be NIT. But it'll be it'll be be it'll be due to all the regular season champs basically getting in from one big league, one bid leagues. Right. Because that's mm-hmm. an issue. It's like. Well, they're at NIT. My team's better than your team, but whatever conference, Ivy League or the SWAC or Sun Belt, you know what I mean, where a one-bid league, the champ doesn't get in there. And so that could take away half a dozen spots. So it would have to be a perfect storm of them obviously being a pretty good team and one-bid leagues getting majority of those champs making the automatic league to the NCAA tournament. But that's like their peak for me. I don't think any – that would still – still like a pipe dream. But that's probably their most peak. But it's going to be – excuse me, CBI or CIT, they should go to it. And mm-hmm. But will they? Do you think they will? Will they have enough to get there? That's the real to, question. To CBI or CIT? Yeah. Because that takes, what, 500 record at least? I think so. And I, I going back to the schedule again, their resume, despite how many games they win or lose, it will look pretty solid because you have neutral or road games against teams that will likely be in the tournament or go to the NIT. And so it's not going to be a resume that's all back-ended against teams with low RPIs. So they'll have their chances to win quality games, and even if they don't win them all, I know that the NET, which I still need to do plenty of research on, 
it will have lots of weight on team quality and strength of schedule. And I think that will help Utah State if they um, so choose to go to CBI or CIT or whatever postseason tournament it might be. It will for sure. Then looking at who they play, they are lucky to get Air Force twice, San Jose State twice. So they get a couple of those teams where that, that could be four wins right there. I, mm-hmm. I, I think. That could help. And CSU, who knows, they get them twice. They get Wyoming twice. So the league itself, when we go through those previews, it's kind of like the tier system. It's pretty clear. At Like you mentioned, the top three. After that, it's a jumbled mess outside of saying San Jose State's, we could say now they're probably our 11th team. That's pretty fair. It's Denver Air Force are at the bottom every year. Between four and nine, it could be anybody. It's very open, four through nine. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's been for a while. And so saying me six, you say they're seven. The same thing last year, you know what I mean? When we were picking these preseason projections and doing our staff picks and everything, it's middle of the pack is crazy. I sure would have liked to have seen what McEwen and D'Angelo Isby and those guys would have done under Craig Smith's uh, lead, but right. we won't get that shot, but we can dream. A whole energy. If we could go to whatifsports.com or something and do our Yeah, that's that right. Do you, <laughs> anything else you'd add for Utah State? Have we Anything I failed to ask you or that uh, something you want to get off your chest for the Aggies? Um, I think we've covered the bulk of it. Uh, I'm curious to see when Brown returns. I think that's going to be huge mm-hmm. uh, because he could he could be a solid player. Uh, he could be a top 25 type guy in the conference. Um, but for now, I think there, there's a lot of up, a lot of things up in the air for Utah State. But if if they can get sorted out, I think there's a pretty pretty solid basketball team. All right, thank you for mentioning top 25. That's coming up soon. That's right. right. There you go, <laughs> professionals. We are doing this podcast probably going to be after this that list goes, but we'll have a top twenty five basketball list done by our staff here, and I will say I um, was heavy on the Nevada Wolfpack, so you're welcome, <laughs> like probably everybody should be. Uh, that will be we'll have honorable mention. We'll do probably one a day, and just check it out. We'll have yeah, just see who we who we like, and you can tell who we don't like if you're not on the list. So <laughs> that'll be coming up pretty soon. We'll probably wrap that. I'm assuming Halloweenish week before the season begins. And we should also mention, isn't the season they're actually doing sort of a uniform date this year, right? College basketball finally. I think so. I believe November sixth is the opening day, or what? They're, what they're planning to do this year. That's always nice compared to one day, like a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday. You know what I mean? Those were. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a good thing. So we got that opening week. Um, I'm trying to think of any other housekeeping stuff. We will, I don't know, just subscribe to the podcast. You'll go to our feed, find us there, right? MWC Wire. Check you out at Betker underscore Eli. If you can spell that, you're lucky. But it is B-O-E-T-T-G-E-R. So he's also, here's an easy Nailed way. it. Yes, I'm, I'm looking at it, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I could have lied, but why? Um, easier way, if you're not sure, go to MWC Wire on Twitter. Perfect. Give us a follow. And if you look at our profile, tweet by myself, Matt Kennerly, and Eli Betker, and follow him from there. Simple there enough. There we go. Right? Shortcut. That's the easy way. And, yeah, we'll be doing a couple a week. Um, we'll do some Twitter polls throughout, so they might be done by this. I don't know how soon we're releasing these, so I keep saying that, which is probably, probably not the best thing to do, but whatever. That's what we do here. Basketball season is close to being here, and we're, we're going to cover a ton. we got some new hoops riders for a bunch of schools, so it should be exciting, right? You're ready to go because basketball season – has a super long off season, April to like November almost. I'm I am having withdrawals for sure. I watched some of John Wall Kentucky highlights from <laughs> I don't know how long ago, uh, a few days ago. So 
That's how deep down the rabbit hole of YouTube I am at this point. Exactly. So follow. Yeah, give us all a follow. We will keep this rolling. And hey, send us any uh, tweets or anything, MWC Wire. If you want any basketball-specific stuff, we can get to on the podcast. And we, we know what we're doing. It'll be fun. So, yeah, subscribe. iTunes, Twitter. Or not Twitter. Geez. Yeah, we'll follow us on Twitter, I guess. iTunes, uh, Spreaker, TuneIn. I talked to Matt about Last FM. Do you ever use Last FM or have you ever heard of it, Eli? I, I have used it and then... I don't know what happened. I just kind of, you know, things go by the wayside. Because you find better options like Pocket Cast or something. I have never used Pocket Cast. You've mentioned it on most podcasts, though, but I still have yet to, to does, discover that. It does cost a couple bucks. A one-time fee, I might add, but it's worth it. It's 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 great. So if you like Pocket Cast, they don't give us any money for it, but hey, if you want to, do it. But it, it's it's a pretty sweet service. What do you So what do you use? Stitcher? Do you use Apple Podcasts? What do you got? Uh, yeah, I use the Apple Podcast or just look things up on SoundCloud or wherever the website is for what I'm looking at. I was just say we're not in SoundCloud, so thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really killing this promotion. No, right it's, it's perfectly fine. We, no, we just basically where you can buy your podcast for free. We are there, so subscribe. Let us know. <laughs> hey, let us know what um, platform you use your podcast on. What you listen to. So I use I typically use Pocket Cast. I. I don't know, I just like it. It's super easy to subscribe. and But anywhere you get your podcast, let us know. Leave a review. And we'll be back next time. We are going to be doing, I'll say it now, Colorado State. Ooh. So, hey, the first two head coaches, right? The new ones. The newbies mm-hmm. get the uh, – we talk about them. And also, head coach, follows us on Twitter. Thank you. Need, um, uh, Medved. Nico Medved gives, gives a follow on Twitter. So I asked our buddy Justin or, – or, yeah, Justin Michael, should we DM him since he followed us? Is that appropriate to do? <laughs> Do you ask him that? I did. I go, should we? He's like, probably not. I'm like, okay. I just screwed around. I'm like, but he followed us. So does that give me a option to do so? <laughs> I actually think I did a while back. Hey, hey, you just got to try, right? You never know what info they'll give you. Networking. That's right. That's what I'm learning in school. That, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. So, all right, folks. Um, That's all I got for tonight. We jerked around for the last eight minutes, but it's perfectly fine. It's what we do. We did not talk about food, so maybe we'll do that next time for the Rams podcast. Because hey, mm-hmm. do, you ever, do you ever eat lamb, Matt? Or oh, she's not Matt. Sorry, I, I've done three podcasts today with you, Matt, and also Justin Michael. So I'm, I've been tuckered out. So, but have you ever had like a rack of lamb before? I have. It's delicious. All right, so we'll talk Rams and maybe some lamb talk next week as well. <laughs> next all time. Right. So, all right, folks. Um, yeah, we'll see you next time and check us out at mwire.com. <laughs>